You see, failure to grasp the very real concept and event of Jesus' resurrection, right? The reality that he has risen from the dead and that he has bodily ascended to the right hand of the Father actually makes it impossible to follow him as the way, the truth, and the life, I would argue. The two have to go together. You need the bodily resurrection of Christ and his ascension to the Father to understand and to put your full trust in the truth, the way, and the life in Jesus. But what do I mean? Well, there's lots of Jesuses floating out there conceptually in people's minds, right? Many in our society like to see Jesus as a great teacher, a moral, a moralist, a lawgiver, perhaps even a philosopher. Of course, as the Son of God, he is those things. But he's so much more. You see, Jesus says some things that are really good in the mind of most people today and indeed through the ages. Love your neighbors. Do unto others as you would have them do to yourself. Remove the log in your own eye before removing the speck in your neighbor's eye. Blessed are the peacekeepers and the peacemakers, right? I could go on and so could you probably. And the world looks at these things and these sayings of Jesus as good. There's no problem with those things, right? Especially, notice, if they're aimed at somebody else and not yourself, right? It's always easier to tell the other person, hey, remove the log or remove the speck from your eye before removing the log from mine. And yet, there are other truths that Jesus says that people find not acceptable, and in fact, even repulsive. The fact that a human can recognize the good things in Jesus shows that sin has not entirely warped him or her. So that's not all bad. And yet, here are some other things that Jesus says that they can't reckon with without knowing him as the way, the truth, and the life. There's passages like today's passage, right? John 14 is read at most funerals. And indeed, it's a great comfort to the Christian. But it's a great challenge to everybody else if you actually think about what Jesus is saying. Look at our Gospel lesson today, John 14, and let's look at verse 5 and 6 to begin with. It's on the back of your scripture insert, or if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open to John chapter 14, verse 5. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, 
but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Let's stop there just for the moment. Jesus is making several assertions here, which are really important, right? Number one, he's saying something that might not ring in our ears, but would have rung in the Jews' ears. He's using God's title for himself. How does he start that? You see, in English, it just kind of falls flat. I am the way, the truth, and life. Okay, well, I am Sean, right? I am wearing a blue and white coat. But what Jesus is saying here is, I am, in the sense that God gave his proper name to Moses in Exodus 3 at the burning bush. Tell my people, I am sent you says the Lord God Almighty to Moses. So you see, Jesus here is not just you know, identifying himself. He's saying, look, I am God. I am God. The way. The truth. The life. Full stop. Do you see how for the Jews, for the people that first heard this message, for the disciples... This is huge. This is huge. And it is for us, too, if we understand what mammoth things Jesus is saying here, what momentous truths he's proclaiming. Many people bristle at the, at the, at the truth of this statement. They say, hey, Jesus is a great guy, but so were many others. You've probably heard conversations and had conversations with people that say, well, I admire Jesus as a great prophet or a great healer or a teacher. But, he does, but when he makes claims of exclusivity, such as being the way to heaven, well, I can't believe that. Have you ever had those conversations with folks? You see, Jesus' God claim, Jesus' claim to be the way, the truth, and the life is offensive to many people's current beliefs that they've been taught either in school or on television, in social media memes, and video shorts and podcasts, and, well, you fill in the blank. Do you realize you're constantly being catechized, you're being taught by the world around you? Even as a Christian, you're constantly being taught by the world around you. And the world around us says, no, there can't be one truth. Everybody has to have the truth. There can't be one way. That's terrible and offensive. One life. Well, I guess we can go with that. But Jesus comes and confronts us. Just as he confronts the Jews, the disciples, Philip, as soon as Jesus makes these claims, he conflicts with many people's belief systems. After all, how can he claim to be the truth itself? The Pharisees shout, blasphemy! Today's people would also shout, blasphemy! We know better now. 
in our cosmopolitan, diverse, post-enlightenment, industrial revolution, space age, computer age society. We know better now, people will say. Whatever you feel is true is the mantra of our society. Alistair McGrath calls it emotivism. Emotivism. That what I feel is what defines the truth. And you see that across our society as a plague. But the problem with that is that it's false. It's false. It's not true. There are laws that must be obeyed. There are realities that don't depend on whether you believe on them or not. You've heard me say this before, but I can believe all I want that I can fly. And if I go jump off the Hilliard Bridge, I ain't going to fly. I'm going to fall and hit the rocks underneath, or the, maybe a little bit of stream, and then the rocks. It won't be pretty, right? But uh, I believed it was the reality that I could fly. I was told I could do anything that I wanted to, anything I put my mind to. Well, sorry, says the law of gravity. Sorry, says physics. Sorry, says the hard rock at the bottom. You see, our attitudes today are foolish, but we're not alone in that. The first century Roman Empire also saw Jesus as foolish and not sophisticated. Think about it for a minute. The Jews thought the same things. The Pharisees disagreed with him, and they weren't stupid people. But they couldn't take this truth of him being the truth. They couldn't realize and understand that Jesus is different from every other man who ever existed and always will be. You see, Jesus died, was buried, but then rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. As far as I know, no one else has claimed to even do those things, let alone made good on the claim. If you ever find somebody, then perhaps there'll be parody with Christ. But until that point, Jesus stands unique. And remember, Jesus says these things before going to the cross. Jesus is saying these things in John's Gospel, chapter 14, the night of the Lord's Supper, Monday, Thursday. He's looking at the cross to come. Look once again, holding that in mind at the Gospel lesson, John chapter 14, this time verse 1 through 4, as Jesus addresses the disciples, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that there I, where I am, you may also be. You see, Jesus is saying this as he looks at the cross, as he's about to enact the action, the greatest action, 
or at least in that grouping with the resurrection and ascension and the incarnation, the greatest actions ever done in our history. Jesus is doing that for all human beings. Jesus, the perfect human being, is going to go back to glory with the Father. And part of me thinks that he's meditating on this as he looks at the cross. Because I certainly would be as I looked at the agony to come. Jesus goes before us and before the disciples to the Father so that we might follow in his steps through death, through resurrection, to God's house. He knows that he's the truth because he's been there. Notice Jesus doesn't say, I go to build you a house. What does he say? In my Father's house are many rooms. They've been there, dear friends. They've been there from the beginning. Because Jesus is the Son of God, has been there from the beginning. He knows of what he speaks. He was there before he was born. Here. And he's returning there. Do you see the importance of the resurrection and the ascension here, dear friends? It's so important that we grapple and grasp that Jesus has gone before us through these things literally, not in some nice story or some doctrinal statement, but literally walked through the agony, the cross, was raised and ascended. And the church wants us to see that. He knows the truth because he is the truth. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, that's John's epistle to the church. The apostle writes this about Jesus. He says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we had looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that is Jesus, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. He has the authority, and he alone, to declare himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. Because he's authority itself. Notice in that God claim, at the very beginning of his statement in John 14, 6, as we said, the I am goes back to the Old Testament. But if you dig into that, the I am statement is a philosophical statement. He's saying I am existence itself. So of course it only logically follows that existence itself is the truth, the way, and the life. Once again, look at our Gospel lesson. Verse 9 and ten this time. Jesus said to him, Have you been with me? Have you been with, have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. And verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
or else believe on accounts of the works themselves. You see, Jesus was there with the Father at the beginning as existence himself. It was by him all things were made. No one can make that claim outside of Jesus. No wise philosopher, no good teacher, no healer can say, I was with the Father before creation. I and the Father are one. As Jesus says this in light of the Lord's Supper, before being betrayed by one of his apostles, before being abandoned by almost everybody, before being falsely accused, and of course all the rest of the events that unfold during Holy Week, Jesus says, I am the truth. And he's contemplating, I am the way. But this just just isn't a statement of fact, dear friends. It's a statement of love. It's a statement of radical love to want us, to want every human being to be with him. But there is only one way. Look, Jesus says this outright. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one can come into glory except through Jesus Christ. You can have all the good morality you want. You can think happy thoughts. You can be a good person, quote-unquote, whatever that is. Because I can always find you a better person. You can't come to the presence of God without coming through Jesus. And that, friends, while it's offensive to many, is actually a statement of love. Because we can't come to the Father by working to be a good person. We can't come to the Father by trying to do all the things that we ought to do. We'll utterly fail and be cast into hell if that's the way we try to get there. But Jesus did. Obedient to the end, He went to the cross. He was perfect. He sacrificed himself for us. Do you see the statement of love here? Do you see the statement of love here? He's not saying, I am the only way to heck with the rest of you. He's saying, I am the way for all of you. I love you that much. I love you that much. His actions, not just his words, bridge to the gap to the Father. His merit that we sang about in our first hymn makes us meritorious before the Father. No other person can do that. They can influence you, but they can't change you. They can't stand in the gap for you. They can't convey you to the perfection of God the Father. Only Jesus can. And of course, as that person, only he can give life, right? Life now and life in eternity. No other person can grant eternal life because no other person has that authority or that power. What does this say about God to us? Well, it tells us that God loved us from the beginning. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you 
says Jesus. Today's readings ask us to focus on that. When Paul's being beaten, having the snot whipped out of him in his journeys, going from Thessalonica to Berea, to the various places in the Mediterranean world, do you think he's following a good philosopher, a fancy teacher? What do you think gives him the power to persist? What do you think gives the 11 apostles the power to go to their martyrdoms, which are gruesome in themselves, to be crucified or flayed alive? The reality of who Jesus is as God, that's what gives them that power and that authority, that life to persist through death even torturous death. And so, dear friends, the church and I urge you, take this seriously. Take this joyfully. That Jesus did this because he loves you and has made the way. And take this as an act of a, as a statement, not just of truth and authority, but as a statement of great love to share with other people. Yeah, people are going to wave you off when you talk about Jesus being the only way. People will be disturbed sometimes when you tell them that he's the only way. But sometimes people will be filled with joy when you tell him these things. So remember, this is the way, the truth, and the life to we cling to. This is the person. And let us close today with the prayer, which is the collect of the day, that we'll say again later and meditate upon it the rest of our week. Grant us to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal glory. Amen.